the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 313. I'm Paul Spain. I'm James McAvoy. And I'm Himanshu Kanda. Hey, thanks guys for, uh, for coming on the show. Great to have you here. Good to be here. Pleasure. Now, uh, James, maybe you can fill us in where you fit into this world of uh, technology since it's your first time on the show. Yeah, uh, so I've uh, sort of been involved, I guess, in a few businesses over the last sort of 10, 15 years. Um, sort of started out doing a DVD rental business. Um, that some people may remember Movie Shack, which became Fatso, um, and Sky sort of um, acquired that. And then I worked at sort of Zero and Trade Me and... Started a company called Treat Me, which is a daily deals website. Um, bought that off Trade Me, and then later sold that. And now I'm working on another business called Goodnest. Cool. Well, we'll look yeah. forward to uh, having a bit of a chat about Goodnest and what you're up to a little bit later on. Um, and Manchu, tell us um, where you fit into this world. So, I'm currently the program leader for the Department of Game Development at Media Design School, um, and my role involves heading the department, which includes two degrees. So Bachelor of Software Engineering, Game Programming, and Bachelor of uh, Creative Technologies, so Game Art. And looking at these two degrees and churning out relevant game industry-ready uh, graduates so they're able to get into the New Zealand and worldwide game industry. A little bit before when I was before I joined MDS, um, I've spent almost exclusively in the games industry. So I've worked in Singapore, India, a little bit in San Francisco, and most a lot of it in mobile games, which are huge now, uh, but I've also done Nintendo DS and PC games. Um, but now I'm in education. Cool. Oh, well, that's uh, it's good. Well, we'll be keen to, keen to get a, um, a bit more of a lowdown on what's happening at uh, Media Dis- Design School um, as well. Now, first up, I thought it would be remiss of us not to uh, at least uh, a little bit of attention to, uh, to John Key, who has uh, resigned, announced his, that he'll be, uh, he'll be leaving as our Prime Minister uh, next week. And um, I've just, you know, about his legacy from, uh, I guess, from a technology perspective as, as much as uh, anything else. Um, any, any thoughts, James? Any highlights for you about, uh, you know, uh, John Key? I mean, it's, it's reason, it seems to be reasonably unusual in the current world for, um, you know, countries to have leaders that sort of stick around very long at all, mm. especially when we look at Australia. Um, he's been there eight years, so it's not a, a crazy length of time. Yep. Um, but it seemed to be one or, one or two good things. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the UFB thing we were kind of chatting about before, um, you know, was a very good thing. Um, yeah, Callahan obviously is um, yep. a little bit polarizing, but uh, I think fundamentally it was, it's kind of in the right place um, with what it's trying to do for us. Um, yeah, because yeah. you've, you've used them, right? With, yeah, with, with Goodness. With Goodness. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we've seen firsthand how it's, it's sort of changed our company. We kind of um, had no apps. We had two developers. Now we've got five. Um, and, you know, the, the window to profitability is, is closed so much by having that sort of investment so that we can kind of, you know, just invest heavily in, that, in, in what, we're, what we're sort of building and um, you know, get through sort of into the break-even point. Yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, I've... I've essentially been really new. I'm really new to New Zealand, but like you said, it, 
for me, he, he looks like a polarizing figure. You either really, really like him mm. or you don't. Um, but like we were chatting, you know, I think he's in a lot of, a lot of small little good things as opposed to one or two big splashes. Um, and he's, he's uh, stabilized and steered the, you know, the economy mm. uh, to the place where it is today. Yep. So we should we be panicked about the future, or do you think uh, we're we're going to be in a in a good place? I mean, I'm not not expecting that we're going to see the uh, the plug pulled on the uh, UFB or the ultra fast broadband uh, initiative. I mean, that's re- that's reasonably well well through anyway. Mm. Um, are there any any? I mean, I guess when I, you know when I look at at uh, um, the future of New Zealand. You know, I see our future is tied up. Um, you know, from a from a um, uh, a perspective of you know making sure we've got sort of stable you know financial basis and so on. Mm. You know, growing our export uh, revenue and and more broadly into the the tech world and um, gaming world. Yep. Uh, you know, these these sorts of areas are really important to us, right? So, mm. um, you know, hopefully we've got the right sort of leadership that understands that uh, going forward and, and uh, you know, keeps good good investment and, and makes it a great place for uh, for businesses to operate. Yeah, I, I agree, I think. But a lot of people can sort of, um, you know, the tendency is to sort of overreact when there's change and um, it's never going to be quite similar to now. It's always going to be either much better or much worse. Um, I think fundamentally all those kind of, you know, the, the major party leaders, they've got the best interests at heart. They've got yep. different angles, but they're probably not even that different, you know, on a left-right sort of spectrum sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, as long as we've got folks who are taking the right decisions, my understanding is tech is really an important sector for everyone. Mm. Um, it's largely export-driven, so it's it's all good, which is why it's a priority and games falls very neatly tucked into that and it's a creative industry so there's that added benefit as well so I, I think it will remain a priority so none of my bells are ringing so far mm-hmm. um, but obviously the Prime Minister's post is the post right and it's like we were talking it's really a really tough gig so it'll be it'll it's for me at least it's wait and watch mm. right now as to whether you'll put your hand up for the position <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, not a n- not the sort of uh, job most people would be uh, would be too interested oh, in. Yeah. Um, now on to on to other news because we could spend a lot of time, but we've actually got quite a few topics we'd like to get through, so we'll uh, we have to race race through a little bit. Uh, Pebble have uh, it's been announced that they're being uh, yeah. acquired by Fitbit. Mm. This is um, this is interesting because they they re- you know effectively launched themselves on on Kickstarter. They had a few ups and downs with uh, you know how they how they use the uh, the crowdfunding to uh, to get them going. And they I think there there was a point where um, there was an acquisition offer for them that was dramatically higher than what they've uh, what they've just been acquired for, which is I believe in the uh, thirty to forty million uh, yep. dollar. Sort of uh, price range, and um, um, in fact, one of the uh, one of the guests that we've had on the podcast uh, uh, early, earlier on in the year, uh, Miriam Jaw, um, she she used to work for them, so I saw her sort of tweeting about it when it uh, when it happened, and it's been interesting watching some of the uh, some of the co- commentary. But um, any any thoughts? You think this is a a, a good move, guys? I. 
Oh, you go first. <laughs> I, I just think it was bound to happen. Consolidation, um, and that's what's happening right now. Um, Fitbit, maybe, is it is this the right fit? for? <laughs> um, maybe. I think Pebble has really good design chops. They bring really good design chops. Um, personally, I've never been a big fan of how Fitbits look. Um, I've either liked the Jab, you know, the Jabras, or or the uh, Apple Watches, mm. um, but I think this could mean that Fitbit becomes has bigger variety, um, and also if they take a, a, a bit of UI. My worry is a lot of the Pebble software was open source, right? And and you could anybody could come in and tweak, and and you um, and Fitbit is a closed ecosystem, so. I don't know what will happen there. Most likely, it'll become closed. But that, I guess, that's that's uh, you know that's a side effect of the mm. acquisition. Mm. Well, they've always been sort of um, you know coming from those sort of humble beginnings. Uh, um, uh, they've they've had a sort of a very sort of um, I guess frugal um, way of doing things. You know, but their resources and sort of the technology um, that they had was very simple to start with. Mm. Um, and so you know they're kind of uh, with sort of the Fitbit, that that sort of niche of being you know very dedicated, simple device for one thing has worked well, and right. I think Pebble, um, in a sense, is is kind of an extension of that, still that same simplicity. Um, I think one thing that's interesting is um, they bought um, so Fitbit bought uh, what was it Pebble who bought? It? I think it was Fitbit. They bought um, Coin, a company um, in the states, uh, earlier this year, and um, I, I I had a Coin um, card, and it was this really cool card where you know, you, you get your phone, you, you plug in the, the credit card sort of reader into the headphone jack. You yeah. can't do that anymore. Yeah. And um, you open their app and you can swipe all your different credit cards uh, and those cards. Capture them all, wouldn't it? Yep. And then Bluetooth, they had Bluetooth 4 to this little coin card and um, you'd push on the coin card. It would last three years, which is about how long a card lasts in your wallet. The battery would last a few years and it had a little Kindle screen so you could right. see what card, you know, you were generating. Yep. It had full pay wave. And so I'd just walk around with one card. Um, nice. Couldn't fit into an ATM machine, as I found out. So I got a few funny looks at the bank when I tried to go in there for, for cash. But um, they got acquired. So you kind of think, well, they might take these Fitbit armbands, add a bit more time, add payments to yep. it. Then that might be something a bit more compelling. So are you still using Coin? Yep, still use it. So it is it is workable? It works. Because uh, there's some limitations to it, right? I think... Yeah, there. Um, so the biggest limit limitations I found were you can't use Visa. It's done by sort of the card issuer. So mm, Amex mm. works, Visa, Mastercard. Um, the 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 sort of little code that they put the, on a tra- little transaction never appears here, so you never get that validated and can right. never use it. Uh, I think Flybys didn't work, or no, it did. One card didn't. It's a bit hit and miss. It's the magnetic strip that it copies, right? Yeah, and PayWave. And so where you get really stuck is if you get a certain um, FPOS terminal where you swipe for FPOS and it gives off a weird pay wave signal and so it would say card read error and so you're frantically just trying to go there and swipe as quick as you can before the pay wave works. But oh, okay, cool. I see. So it's not 100% reliable Yeah, and, and yeah. that is actually not a cool thing. But when it worked, it was, it was quite fun. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah. The only thing that wasn't cool is every single time you use it, it was like a five-minute conversation with the, the shopkeeper about what it is. Yeah, I, I was tempted to order one and, uh, and and didn't in the end. I was sort of a little bit on the fence as to how good it would be. But, I mean, it's a pretty low cost, so not really a big deal, right? Yeah, so, it's yeah. just a bit of fun. Yeah, save you a lot of, a lot of space. 
Yep. So do you get by with just carrying that or are you having to sort of carry? No, I'd carry um, like one other card that's like a credit FPOS card oh, and, that's not bad. and my driver's license. And, and of course, now that, you know, we can do more and more payments on our watches and phones, mm. uh, yeah, your bases are, are probably reasonably well covered then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually, um, uh, I, I took a photo of my driver's license. I got pulled over and um, uh, routine. And I gave them my driver's license, and it was just the Dropbox picture of yep. my driver's license, and mm. they accepted it. Nice. It's quite cool, so there you go. I don't know if you if that's a legal thing. That works. <laughs> that is a good, a good tip, listeners. Take there note. There you go. You want to clear one thing out of your wallet, that's uh, probably something you might get away with if uh, you've had a good, a good experience. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I think in general you should just screenshot your cards. Mm. It, it, you know, you lose your... Your and then you can share them on Twitter and so on, so you can get at them whenever you want them, right? Just yep. put them in your public feed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people do that. They get in your car, they're like, oh, I got my new whatever it is. It's like, hold on, you just gave away <laughs> some of their credit card details. Whoops. Yeah. Um, I think there's an account, there's some somebody who's got a Twitter account that uh, that reshares those things or does, does something about them. So. Um. Now on to on to I guess slightly related topics actually. Um, BNZ and Google have partnered up uh, for Google Pay in New Zealand, and uh, so Android Android Pay should I say? It used to be called um, Google Wallet. Um, getting the the two of them uh, confused there. A pretty small announcement, really, because this only works with BNZ's Flexi Debit Visa. So they've obviously done this sort of deal to promote a particular a particular card. Mm. Um, and you know, whenever these things happen, I guess there's a there's a there's a vision by uh, Google that everyone's going to do this and be paying this way. And I kind of think when we look a little bit further out, we will be using our devices for a lot more than what we're doing now and it sort of just seems very, very natural. But at the moment, there seem to be a small number of deals being being done. We see that with uh, with Apple Pay, for instance. I think there's nobody signed up in New Zealand or Australia uh, for Apple Pay for um, for the, the use of loyalty schemes. Mm. So you might walk into, into a store and be able to use Apple Pay to you know, pay for your groceries, but you've still got to go and get it into your pocket to get your loyalty slash discount card, which I think now, now really all the all the major supermarkets you kind of have to have one of those when you're shopping. Yep. Um, if you know, if if you don't want to be uh, paying higher than uh, uh, than the average, so it's um, we're we're kind of in this transition period. Feels like is it. that what it feels like for you guys? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean. I, I use my phone for Apple Pay, mm. but then I also have this app called, I think it's Stokart, where... I use that as yeah, well. There yeah, there we go. So I, I try to minimize that as well, mm. uh, but it's just it's just that, you know, switching between yeah. apps and then getting it right, and then yep. and then the the odd dance that the cashier has to do with, we're trying to get Typing the... It in yeah, the, oh, it doesn't, it's doesn't not work. scanning, oh, oh, it's yeah. not, you know, so sometimes that happens. So you use that for your loyalty card? card. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. a wallet yeah. system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's but, quite cool. Yeah, but they don't integrate with the Apple Wallet. So, I, you know, a lot of some apps do it. It's a hit and miss, and then it's not regulated. 10, 15, 20 years down the line, I think 
Bitcoin with that coming up, I think, and that becoming a bit more digital, I think that'll help it more. I think, from my understanding is, there's a lot of transactional fees happening, right? And that's where the margins are. That's where everybody's trying to take take yeah. their cut. And that's what's the impediment right now. Mm. You know, and, and it's, that's the only roadblock to innovation or ability. Otherwise, I think there is there is a keen interest by folks to just adopt this and make it easier because it's it's clearly convenient. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this dance where you've got a bank, you know, aligned with a certain sort of um, you know, wireless payment um, sort of process, like you know, you've got, um, you know, Apple Pay and whatnot. It's um, it's frustrating for the consumer because you know you get people with these iPhones and they're like, oh, I'm not with ANZ and you can't use it. And you, you just know that 10 years from now, all banks will offer sort of both the Android and the iOS thing. It's just frustrating to sort of sit there waiting for them to finally sort of clue on to Work it. out and cut the, cut the deals. Because yeah. it's, all, it's all about, you know, uh, no doubt Google and Apple want as high a percentage as possible, highest fees that they can possibly get. Yep. But, yeah, banks are... Um, are not you know not keen to just be giving money away for the sake of it, so they need to be really convinced that they have to be they have to be on board with it. Yeah, and I think you know as more banks eventually break rank um, and, and sort of go to these sort of offerings, then all the rest sort of will follow. Yep, um, because then they'll be sort of left in the cold otherwise. Will it just bump into the into credit card fees? Will it just bump up credit card fees? Well, credit card fees. My understanding is the the merchant service fees are dropping. Um, so, so we have like a blended rate in New Zealand, uh, in Australia that they actually separate them. So, with a lot of people now using debit cards, um, that obviously drops the rate. Um, so, we should be seeing it come down. My my experience is the rates are dropping, um, and that's simply because the the debit cards are not having to give their the banks not having to give their fee to the Visa or Mastercard or not as much. Um, wow. Yeah, fingers crossed. Interesting times. Well, hopefully, hopefully these things keep improving. Now, um, Amazon are going to have warehouses in Australia in the not too distant future. So, for those Amazon fans, and I imagine there will be one or two people listening who have used Amazon for the odd purchase. You guys, not here. I haven't used it here though. I use them quite a lot. Yeah, with um, U Shop sometimes, or right. U Post, or whatever it is. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, with them being in Australia, I would say there would, you know, likely they're going to they're going to be focusing on the New Zealand market too yep. if they've got warehouses over there. Mm. So that would, um, well, it's it's going to be. There's the potential there that we're going to see a. You know, our, our local retailers here are going to see a whole lot of competition from Google, which, sorry, from Amazon, which they haven't probably noticed to such a big extent. You know, when you've got to get, you know, if you're buying, say, physical books, yep. um, and of course, if, if you're buying ebooks, then there's a pretty high chance the ebooks you're buying are, are, are you know, already uh, Amazon for, you, for your Kindle. Uh, but if you buy physical books and all the many other goods that, that they sell, yep. um, I think there'll be a, a lot more people that are going to be looking at Amazon, you know, on the, that's sort of presuming that they uh, they really decide to, you know, target the New Zealand market, which mm. is, you know, when you look at, say, Europe, where, you know, they're, they're, they're 
you know, pretty, yeah, they've got a pretty heavy and strong presence there at lots of warehouses. I think at least uh, four or five, probably across the UK. Um, it would seem to make sense that they'll be uh, they'll be targeting New Zealand. Absolutely. Uh, I remember back in the day, just sort of getting the tour of the New Zealand Post sort of um, system. Um, thanks to that sort of DVD business, um, the there are arrangements, and this is you know going back seven or eight years. There are arrangements back then where um, it would be cheaper. I think it was uh, the Reader's Digest or something. And they had, that was the highest sort of circulated a private company um, bit of mail. I think it was like six or seven hundred thousand sort of in circulation. They'd get that uh, manufactured or printed in Sydney, and they had an agreement because they they sent so many that they could send it from Sydney, and they would get the New Zealand rate to circulate it here, even though it's international. So when you think about you know just one Reader's Digest being able to do that, Amazon, um, if they have um, warehouses in Sydney, I. I'd kind of consider them having warehouses in, in Auckland essentially just through that fact. They'll, they'll have shipping arrangements, they'll have their own planes um, where once they're in Sydney, they're, they're basically here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I definitely see medium-sized businesses being impacted in some way, but I also see a lot of small boutique businesses getting a lot of uptick. Um, Amazon does a fantastic job of curating and surfacing interesting content, mm-hmm. and they've got, I think they've with so much experience, they've got it pat down where they cycle all of that content. And with them coming here, they'll be easily be able to. So if, if you, you know, you've got something very unique that people from all across the world will only find here, you have that opportunity now to surface and immediately pull up sales. But also, um, I'm not sure if it's here, but especially in India, when Amazon came in, they were a market. They became a marketplace as well. So you could be a specific, you know, you could be uh, a specialist, um, a tailor, or you could make some very specific suits, and you could just put them, you could be a merchant on that side, and your sales would go up. So I think it'll be a positive and a negative impact. Net, I think it'll be positive, mm. definitely. It's like the great equalizer of commerce. Well, we've got, we've had such a dominance from Trade Me for so many years. Yeah. You know, I think that... Uh, we've got you know eBay, I think, who have continued just to grow and grow in, in importance. Things like AliExpress, of course, which is is huge as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we'll just naturally sort of see more and more of a of a transition. But where there is that local presence, or in this case, a sort of close to local presence, yeah, I think that will sort of accelerate things quite a bit. Um, you know, I don't know how what the percentage of the population is that use eBay now in New Zealand compared to uh, Trade Me, mm. but uh, you know, I would pick just from you know, general chats with with uh, yeah, people that it, it it just doesn't have that same sort of presence yet. It's still a a really good way of you know of sourcing certain you know certain things. Yeah, there's e- some there's some downsides to using the eBays and AliExpresses and so on as well. Uh, particularly, we think of safety with with what Samsung yeah. have been through recently, yeah. and having stuff that's just shipped in from another part of the the world that maybe doesn't you know match yeah, appropriate standards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I found eBay good for sort of long tail stuff. So you kind of go and trade me first, and then if you can't find a specific piece of you know, electronic equipment, then it's a bigger sort of marketplace overseas, and and sometimes you can kind of get lucky there. Um, I've, I've actually I've used Facebook a couple of times. Their marketplace 
Oh, wow. Um, and it's actually been really interesting. So um, I sold like sort of an old coffee table, took a photo of it, and it's so easy to actually sell. Like, you take it's a photo, incredibly easy, isn't ridiculous. it? Ridiculous. Um, and so then you get all these messages that are kind of half buried in your messenger, um, sort of under that item. And um, I think I sold an item in 30 minutes. And one lady, I sold like this coffee table for 10 bucks, just out of curiosity using this app. And she offered me 11 I'm so confused what was going on. Um, but you do have these issues where the person, you know, a person will win and then the next person will say, I'm interested as well. And you're like, oh, sorry, you're second in line. Uh, if the first deal falls through, then you're next. And I've actually found myself, you know, third person in line will finally actually turn up to pick up the item. But I was kind of surprised at how quickly things would sell and how easy it was. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And I always ask them, is this the first time you've used Facebook Marketplace? And they're like, yep. So. Mm-hmm. From Amazon, I mean, my the way I look at it, Amazon, the immediate change it'll bring is folks who are you know have to really travel to get basic stuff, and it's like, oh, did I just forget this, or did I do that, or even urban folk who just you know I, I'm having a really really busy week, and I I just I just can't go shopping. I can just order online, and automatically it'll you know you know those dash buttons. Just yep. press that. So I think, and that's where Amazon enters and then subtly innovates. And that's where I think it'll make a big impact here for, for those kind of daily daily need items. Mm. Just the, the rate that Amazon, um, so we use sort of um, AWS, the rate that they sort of innovate, um, especially in the last few years, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, you get these emails and they're like, oh, our pricing is now 40% less for, for storage. And then you'll get it again like 12 months later. Um, it's, it's, it's remarkable, you know, just the progress that they have. I think they released something today, a streaming service with AWS. So any desktop application, they'll virtually host it and stream it pixel, pixel for pixel to your mobile devices. Wow. First 80 hours free. So it's just, yeah, they're just doing that all the time. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of agree. It's, it's the middle operators, you know, the, the warehouses and whatnot that have been the, the sort of the big gorilla yeah. um, so far, they're really going to have to innovate, I think, to sort of defend their, their position of being this sort of big retailer in New Zealand. Cause and, the, uh, you know, the warehouse done some interesting things. They're not as, um, maybe as quite as slow as some people might think. Because, mm-hmm. You know, they put you know, free Wi-Fi into their, their stores. I remember uh, hearing about that when uh, I, I talked to um, Sir Stephen Tyndall for the New Zealand Business Podcast, and of course that, that's now been in place for uh, you know a number of years. Uh, you know they they put in that you could order and pick up from the store, um, but the, I just think they've got some of that stuff wrong. Uh, you know when you order to pick up from the store, you're still paying freight to the store, so uh, yeah. it's uh, yeah. it's it, it's a, you know you're scratching your head saying. Why am I paying freight if I'm picking it up from my my local store? Mm. Uh, if I was buying it normally from the local store, I wouldn't wouldn't have to. Yep. Um, I mean, they do varying online discount codes and things like that for the freight and 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 shipping type things. But yeah, some of their goods are very you know are pretty expensive to get uh, to get delivered if you're ordering a a big item. Mm. Um, so you compare that to Amazon, uh, where they've got their Amazon Prime service and. Yeah, basically stuff gets delivered for free, right? Yep. There's, there's so much. So uh, I think this is definitely going to stir stir things up, um, which, yeah, there's, there's, there's two sides to that. I think, uh, yeah, consumers will be pretty pleased about it. Now, what uh, Amazon are doing that is very cool from a, from a um, 
an innovation perspective is they have opened uh, in Seattle their new uh, supermarket or grocery shop, as they're uh, um, calling it, which is uh, Amazon Go. And this is initially just for their staff, but apparently will be available uh, for the public to uh, uh, to use. And the whole thing is about a very frictionless shopping experience. So you can walk in, grab your lunch, and walk out again. And that's vir- you know virtually it. There isn't a sort of stop at the checkout and queue and find your payment method, find your loyalty card, any of that. Um, so as you go in, I think you have to use your cell phone as you go in, and uh, then once you're in, you just pick up whatever and uh, and and walk out. I love it. Seems really cool. I, I've seen the video. I think uh, it's fantastic concept, and obviously they make it perfect in the video. What I'm thinking is, you open you open Amazon Go in downtown Auckland. When it's a rush hour, it's five o'clock, and you've got huge, you know, and you've got people just walking past you because they use they've used a couple of technology, right? They're using AI, and how are they going to do it? You just like like you go in a subway, you just scan and you get in, and then they've even shown in the video you pick up an item, it gets added to your cart, you put it back, it gets removed, but if you pick it up again and you run off and it's added, so you know it'll be it'll be really interesting for me to see. How how acutely correct they can get it because it's very easy for you and me to shop really close and our phones are really how how does how do they do that so, so uh, yeah there's talk about a whole lot of AI you have actually cameras recognizing maybe recognizing what you're what you're picking up and and putting down but they're not they haven't been entirely clear on the technology yeah, right so yeah. someone suggested to me on Facebook uh, today after I shared this one that oh this will be NFC. Um, and, or, uh, you know, um, RFID. RFID. Yeah. And, you know, you think, you think of that and, yeah, RFID, um, is what we would have traditionally thought of as, as handling this. Yeah. But, but that the way they're talking, they're suggesting that they're, that they're not doing that. Um, so, and especially you've got multiple people walking out of the store at once and so on, right? It's so, not only that, but there's so many use cases. Like, I'm just thinking, you know, a mother of three walking in with two kids. And you know how kids are, right? They'll pick an item, they'll throw it into the cart or do something. In, mm-hmm. this, in this case, you just have a bag. What if, what, you know, at a checkout, you're like, no, you're not getting this, honey. You're not, no, we're not taking this and there'll be a fuss there. But a parent can make, make that hard decision there. Mm-hmm. But if you're walking out, you're like, did I just buy you, you know, all, all of this stuff? I just came to buy like two items and you stuffed this in, you know. Some of these kids' toys can be really expensive. Mm. I mean, it's just a really, it's an edge case, but those are the kind of things I'll be curious about to see how they solve it. Well, you get like a frozen chicken and you kind of walk around the place and then you put a rock melon back in the place of the chicken. Will will, will that replace it? You know, like... And where it's using sort of facial recognition and so on to, uh, to tell, you know, who you are as you go around... And well, you just happen to have a sort of hat on, and, and or you decide to hold your hand over your face yep. uh, for a minute just to sort of see what happens. You know, I guess these are all the scenarios that uh, that they'll be getting their head around in the trial phase, and we'll see whether it, you know whether it actually fully opens to the public or not, mm. or whether they you know whether they open for a short period and say, hey, this was an experiment, or whether they can actually nail this stuff. And then from there, 
my thought is, well, when do we get that in New Zealand? And and I'm not thinking Amazon. I'm thinking you know we've got existing, uh, we've got existing supermarkets. Surely they won't want to be disrupted out of business. So they must be uh, must be thinking about that. Um, Chris Quinn, if you're listening, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this one. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's an it's an exciting time, isn't it? There's there is there is so much change going on, and in a in a moment, a particular industry can can really just get shaken up um, in a in a way that hadn't been predicted. You don't quite know when these sort of things are going to uh, yep. going to happen, but uh, they they could tra- cause quite uh, quite quick. Quick change uh, mm. if the technology is is maybe either you know let's say it, it would take other um, other companies five years to catch up, and Amazon decided all right we're gonna we're gonna go like Uber and we're gonna go nuts to get this everywhere in the world yeah. and to be uh, the retailer that has stores everywhere. Yep. Um, what what would that look like if they decided look we we we're gonna you know we'll raise some we'll raise some extra capital. We're going to put five hundred billion into uh, into opening, uh, you know, retail and uh, in you know three hundred cities. That'll be that'll be fantastic. I think <laughs> if that happens, if they pull it off, it's fantastic. But I'm just curious about when we they remove the friction point of checkout. You know, what does that mean for product placement in the supermarket? You know, because my understanding is. The the aisles, all of those have a rate, right? You, the companies have to pay a rate to be on those shelves, and you know some places have a higher rate, some places. Are, now suddenly, does that make it a playing field because you know you're just walking across, or it doesn't? Uh, and does that raise the rates for everything because the friction points have gone now, so you have more propensity for folks to just make an impulse purchase? And, and I think Amazon, with their obsession to collect data. They'd be, they'd had more strong, they'd have strong results to you know, milk that. And what does the ultimate picture look like? I mean, do you know? I mean, who likes walking around the supermarket trying to find things? You know, and more and more we're moving to apps that you know I, I use uh, the Wonderlist app, and uh, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of these sort of apps you can use to. Uh, to store things, but you put your shopping you put your shopping list together now you know with the technology we 've got um, yeah i shouldn 't have to actually do anything with the right sort of AI and smarts and interaction between things. I decide, look, I want to get that stuff now, and then the technology can figure out well where 's the closest supermarket, how quickly can their bots run around their you know robots run around the the you know where wherever it is, whether it's in a in a public supermarket or whether it's in a you know some sort of warehouse facility, and collect those bits and pieces, or or a person. We hopefully will keep people employed for 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 a good few years to come in New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, and collect that, and then it's uh, you know a decision on on whether uh, you know ultimately a driverless vehicle sort of you know drop drops oh, yeah. that off and or a drone. Uh, um yeah. or a drone what you know whatever depending on the 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 scenarios obviously there's some there's some interesting points in between but um there, i think there's a lot more disruption to come yep. uh rather you know rather than just this in terms of uh, um you know what's going to happen with our shopping experiences <laughs> so um it's it's not you know, it's probably not going to be easy on a lot of companies that uh, won't have the sort of scale 
uh, to play. And I mean, we look at our our taxi companies in New Zealand. I don't know how many how many taxi firms there are, um, but yeah, I would say that the the picture will look fairly different for them. And uh, certainly, if we're looking ten or fifteen years out, mm, absolutely. And there are, there are so many uh, businesses that as as small little entities. Um, may not be able to survive in a in a world where you really need to you know bring sort of a, a huge amount of uh, te- technological change. Yeah, yeah, I, I I definitely feel we are at the start of that transition. I mean, we are looking at when everything will be automated, but it it usually more often than not we're usually in one transition or the other, right? And we just we never really feel that. And I feel like in Uber even we'd be. In some areas, we'd have automated cars, but in a lot of areas, because of mapping, you'd always need that driver at the wheel, you know, or more often than not, you'd have a driver and it'll be automatic driving. He's just in case, like we have it with, with planes, right? And then eventually when it becomes really well, you'd have you'd have no one, but I well, don't know what's that time well, for. May, well, maybe there's a variation. You think of, you know, the, the drone pilot type scenario where the, the, the pilot isn't actually in, it, in, the, in the vehicle. And you could have a multitasking driver who, you know, watches across maybe a whole lot of vehicles and something gets triggered and they can see it. Because you think of your pilot, well, you know, he's got hundreds of passengers sitting in behind him. So, you know, in terms of an, an, an efficiency, efficiency yeah. uh, it's, he's driving a very, very, very big bus that, that flies. Um, but, you know, when you think of an individual vehicle. So, I don't know. Um, just throw that one out there. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I mean, Uber, for instance, they, they will have a very, um, you know, clear view on sort of what 90% of the roads they, they can sort of service are. And it might only be 20% of the, the roads in New Zealand that, that 90% of their, their business sort of comes from. So they'll, they'll along the way, I think, be able to say, well, you know, give a few Uber, Uber drivers this car, hands off the wheel, but just in case drive around, and then they'll collect the data and say, this route's fine, this one's fine. And very quickly, they'll have 90%, you know, driverless, um, you know, for their business. Yep. Now, um, on that Uber front, and I don't know if we've talked about this on, on the podcast before about Uber Eats coming to New Zealand. Um, I did saw, um, I was Googling this because I sort of knew they were coming. Um, but we've just had, um, so I was Googling it a little while ago and saw they were advertising a job. I see the, the I think it's the Herald that have picked it up and, and confirmed definitely they're going to be here, uh, in, in the new year. Um, so, um, more happening down the Uber track, um, and I tried out Uber Eats uh, in, the, in the US and, and Canada, and uh, yeah, it seems to be good. More and more changes afoot, and um, I guess they've certainly got the uh, the financial backing to be to be a part of that. Interestingly, they're not the they're not the only player. I think Amazon had a had a somewhat similar service in the US, and so we were, I remember being in a in a bar there and a sort of restaurant and bar. And they had, I guess, something there for Uber and something there for Amazon. I think they had a Kindle uh, that was there next to the till. And when we asked about it, it was like, oh, yeah, well, people can, you know, place their orders. So, we, we, you know, we've got the Kindle for the, for the Amazon orders, but, we, you know, also get um, the Uber Eats orders. But they were saying that, uh, you know, Amazon wasn't at that stage doing uh, particularly, particularly well. So they were getting very few through that, uh, that track. So even a company with Amazon scale isn't always winning at everything that yeah. they do. Well, it's also, I think, um, yeah, it's such a challenge for these. If you're Amazon, you're trying to enter so many markets. It would be like McDonald's trying to go into real estate or something. They'll have millions upon millions of people going through their door. So in theory, they could 
you know, sort of by sheer numbers, um, force this new sort of, you know, vertical for their business. But I think for them, it, they're doing like um, home services in the States. They have so many different offerings that um, actually surfacing that um, to consumers and making them aware of it is kind of almost half the challenge. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now a few other things we'll we'll just we'll skim past. Uh, Vocus are purchasing purchasing um, Switch Utilities, which means they're they're moving into uh, becoming an electricity uh, retailer. So what we will what we'll see is um, Slingshot basically offering um, packages that include electricity and gas along with the uh, internet and of course uh, we've already seen trust power going from the other direction uh, doing that um, apparently spark has has looked at that it would you know would make make sense I'm sure uh, the big players are, are considering this stuff but the more that it happens that may well uh, you know force the hands of um, of our of our telcos to uh, to, to reconsider uh, what the world what their world needs to look look like in terms of uh, what they they do and don't uh, do and don't sell. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think utilities. Um, you saw this in the sort of the states a long time ago with the cable providers, um, and I remember talking to John Follett about it. Is you know these utilities um, kind of bind together, and you get two or three of them, and you've got this defensibility where you 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 know the pain to actually leave one of them if it's your cell phone or if it's your Sky TV or it's if it's your um, electrical company, um, the pain to leave one basically means that all the others become, you know, um, more expensive. And so I think, you know, in an increasingly sort of competitive landscape with the internet just becomes more and more sort of um, attractive to, to look elsewhere to sort of bind people in and ensure that sort of, you know, the, the ARPA is sort of high for, for those um, customers that you've got. Keeps relationships stickier, I would imagine. Definitely. You're gonna, you know, you're going to keep your yep. customers a, a bit longer as long as you do it. Do a good job. Um, the other thing is MediaWorks are launching Rover, the digital audio streaming platform. Um, so their goal is to uh, is to wipe the New Zealand tech podcast off the face of the map. No, I just threw that one in there. Um, I think they're they're aiming to sort of compete with iHeart Radio, um, but also they are talking around podcasts and so on. So it'll be really interesting to see what uh, what things that they come to market with. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's exciting. It's good. It's good to have uh, more uh, players that are that are getting their head around and at least considering where they should be. I don't know how far forward they're they're thinking. I, I met with somebody recently who uh, who runs a radio station, and we were really talking through. Well, you know, what should their strategy be? What should they be looking at, sort of longer term? And you know, if they look out five, ten, fifteen years. You know how important is it for them to have FM frequencies and so on? How will people actually be consuming their their content? And I think it's going to be really different to to what we do today, even how we consume podcasts and so on. I think we're going to uh, see something that's much more sort of personalised around uh, you know what we want to hear and um, you know the AI elements sort of coming in there. So um, it, it will become you know I think a much more sort of seamless experience when we do listen to to audio. And uh, what that mix will be, I you know I don't I don't know, but you know I can imagine uh, you know having a window of time where I've got to travel somewhere, uh, and I'm happy to to listen. Maybe I'm happy to watch a watch a watch a screen, but certainly if I'm driving and listening to content, then um, you know I'll, I'll be looking forward to a you know some some sort of artificial intelligent assistant that will uh, 
you know, be picking out maybe, you know, reminding me of the appointments I've got for the day if it's me heading out in the morning from home and uh, maybe reading a couple of important emails, but, you know, uh, and dropping in some some specific relevant uh, you know news uh, before dropping into a you know podcast or some some other content that I'm interested in. Um, so I think there's 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 definitely some um, some a fair a fair bit of opportunity for for a fairly dramatic change and and disruption there. I think so. I mean, you look at um, Apple how their their Apple TV I can't remember what it's called where. The sort of binding together all these services because whenever you use Apple TV, you kind of go into all the different apps to find different sort of shows. It's just yeah. called TV. Just called the, TV. The, the app is just Genius. called TV. Yeah. And, and mm. you know, they're sort of servicing that stuff. And uh, you you see it so many times through history. You know, the, especially with technology, there's this sort of game of aggregation. And you, you think sort of with Apple, with CarPlay, you've got sort of Spotify, you've got Pandora and whatnot in there, and their obviously their iTunes. They will want to at some point again aggregate and you know all these podcasts and radio stations as we know it they they'll just become an element of you know just an os sort of item and then you can say siri hey put on my favorite sort of local radio station a rock one and it'll just pull it out you don't need to know the station and, yeah. yeah but but it's it's a definitely a really it's a very tough problem um curation for a for a for a single person you know and for an ai to understand and how long does it take and i think when the ipad came out and when the iphone came out there were a lot of um apps that started to do that you know they um, programmatically condensed news headlines i think yahoo bought their company can't seem to remember which one was that um you know and then there was uh, flipboard is another yeah so yep. There, there have been and i think the maybe the holy grail will be like you said you know i'm i'm going to head off to work and i'm going to trust this whatever this app or this ai assistant is to condense all forms of media from my today's appointments to the top headlines from you know to you know any podcast i that has come up that i regularly listen to or anything or to remind me this is coming up or the traffic and condense it into one cohesive piece um i think everyone's still trying to solve each singular piece of you know silo yeah yeah there's still still a little way to go isn't there but you know the the emergence of um you know much more ai technology uh chatbots all of these things will help facilitate that i think yeah yeah. i've found um i use spotify a bit and uh they hired a guy uh, i think he's from mit and uh, he's sort of a mathematician and he was working on sort of algorithms for for identifying what um, you know, sort of music you will like, uh, based on all sorts of different sort of you know um, criteria, and they have that weekly picks thing. Oh, that's wonderful! And it works. That's it wonderful. actually works. Uh, I, and I can you can almost see them tweaking it sometimes. Where I'm like, actually, this week it's all a little bit weird, and they probably see that I'm not using it that much that week, and they'll they'll kind of you know uh, on scale fix those things. But it it actually works, and I think that's what we're going to see. You know, um, people will start to trust all these things more. You know, you still kind of use Siri, me personally, use Siri a little bit, but don't know the limitations and it, it thinks Auckland is called Walkley in half the time. Um, but eventually, you know, as you're trusting cars to drive you around and all these things start working, um, we'll just accept it so quickly, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, one other sort of local item, uh, Network for Learning uh, announced uh, this week that they have 
uh, completed their rollout of their managed network to um, over or in the direction of two and a half thousand schools. I think twenty uh, over twenty four hundred um, schools are linked up to a network for learning, which is a, a government initiative that draws on uh, the ultra fast broadband network to deliver high speed internet connectivity to schools. But it's also a managed network. And it provides a level of uh, a level of safety to uh, to schools, and so one of the things that they they highlighted in their in their news that uh, in October uh, schools consumed over one point four petabytes of uh, of data running through their network. <laughs> um, they described it in an interesting way. They said it was if um, uh, if every uh, bit. Of information that had uh, that had travelled through the network was uh, um, a grain of sand. Then it would equate uh, to the equivalent of a forty-story uh, cubic square of sand, which I thought was an interesting explanation. I've never heard of data uh, explained that way before. <laughs> I couldn't quite picture picture it, but um, yeah, rather rather interesting. Um, but the, the I guess the number that. Um, that's that stood out, and they don't go into. Uh, I don't think they went into. They didn't go into deep detail, but they said 645 million websites were blocked last month with their web fil- filtering tools. Um, I was trying to get my head around that. Does that mean every student is having, you know, um, hundreds of web pages blocked, or does that just mean that their, um, you know, their algorithms have have put these on their blacklist, or mm. I don't know, and I don't, and I don't know, you know, exactly what their uh, what their tools are. I imagine that's something they wouldn't be doing themselves, and they're just using, you know, somebody else's technology for. So it might be they're just trying to create some uh, big numbers to make it uh, sound interestingly uh, interesting. I didn't have. Um, have time to delve uh, deeper with them on that stuff, but uh, you know, I think they're uh, they're 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 doing a good a good job, and you know, access to great internet in our schools, I think, is is absolutely critical to uh, uh, you yeah. know to to our our future. So getting uh, uh, getting that that stuff um, um, yeah done well and uh, and and good fast internet um, into our schools. Hopefully, um, does us a, a good, you know, some good service for uh, for for the future. Absolutely. I mean, our exports need to be more than just sort of primary projects, and you know, doing this is just an important part of that. Now, um, I thought we probably should have a little bit of. Um, Oh, the the one little one we didn't mention, uh, but it sort of tied in with some of the others. Uh, Netflix have launched their offline mode, uh, which right. is is very cool. They launched that on uh, Thursday, so I got to try it out on a flight Thursday evening. Um, I tried that out with my um, uh, Sennheiser um, uh, noise cancelling headphones, and um, I was so engrossed in the content that I it was the most. Um, um, I was the most disengaged from the journey that I've ever been because I was, <laughs> yeah. you know, watching, uh, watching the content. And when I got to the other end, um, I did sort of look out the window and see we were coming into land. And then I got back into, uh, um, into the content and with the noise cancelling headphones on. And, um, so I was, I was lost to humanity, uh, again for, for a brief period of time. Um, the stewardess sort of must have, uh, figured out that I, you know, 
I wasn't paying any attention, so she pulled my bag down. I was in the front row and sort of bumped me with it slightly. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, we're here. Awesome. So, um, uh, yeah, and... Uh, I, I had I had the same on the way back uh, on Monday, and yeah, then they were trying to you know offer me refreshments in the flight, and it was a similar similar challenge. So you got to be careful, make sure you listen to the um, the safety briefings. Maybe maybe not, um, because uh, yeah, you can really get uh, get um, sucked into your content. Yeah. So a much uh, um, well another alternative to uh, to podcast now for uh, for your flying anyway. Definitely. Those noise cancelling headphones are amazing as well. I, I got some, and I, I kind of almost see them as big an upgrade as going to business class on, on some of the flights. Um, <laughs> it's just enormous how how relaxed you are when you get off, just from not having that wall of Absolutely. noise the whole mm, time mm, mm. beating you down. Yeah. Well, I tried out the uh, in ear ones from uh, Sony that are. Um, uh, I tried that with the Sony uh, XZ uh, Xperia XZ. Um, smartphone and they, they were they were yeah it was good to just have some that work you know you know very simply just plugging it into smartphone uh, and I think it only only is going to work with their uh, with their their phone um, I need to check that but uh, yeah that was good but then uh, with the Sennheisers which are very very similar uh, if you look up the reviews with the Bose uh, QC 35s um, you know just just a fantastic experience so uh, yeah. Um, all right, now I think uh, time um, to hear a bit about media design school and um, and what you guys have been up to there, um, especially especially on the gaming side. Oh, we've been this has this year has been has been stellar. We've got we've got so many talented students graduating this year. It's been it's been a bit crazy. Um, so who 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 goes who goes through your gaming courses? Where are these people? Oh, school leavers. Yeah, by the way, it's right yeah. after so school. So it's, it's mostly mostly people out of school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a three year three year full time degree. Um, and they spend all three years in just learning in and everything about games. It's not like uh, you know you have um, you know philosophy one on one, you know history one on one. You'd have history, but it'd be the game's history. You'd have um, everything that is that is important for a graduating student will be through the context of games, and it's it's quite an intense it's quite an intense course. But I think it the result of it happens with the with the outcomes. So we've got last starting with last year, but even this year we've got students who by the time they're graduating have already set up their companies have already released games on steam um you know and games that have been greenlit so we've got an incubator program um called india studios where you know because we are in new zealand and we've got to be cognizant that they it's not as big as market as us or even even australia uh, you know there'll be a certain number of jobs, and a lot of times they'll be picking up, you know, folks with the with the with the fair amount of industry experience. So we want to encourage entrepreneurship as well. That's where the incubator comes in, where we provide them with the framework of setting up company, providing them the legal framework, and and the best the best students apply, get in. We give them industry mentorship, and 
yeah, they, by the end of it, they've got a company, they've got a product that is either really almost out of the market or is out in the market. So, yeah. That's cool. And how long have you been there? How long have you been um, running the, 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 the game team? Oh, I've just been there about 10 months now. So not really that long. I was at Gameloft before. Um, like we spoke about. Um, yeah, Gameloft shut down in New Game Zealand, Loft, didn't they? Which yeah. was sad because it, it, was, it was, what, a couple of hundred people? 250, 250 yeah. odd people. Um, and, yeah, it was quite a lot of people, quite a lot of talented people, really. Um, quite a lot of people have stuck around here, but some, unfortunately, have left off. Um, but, yeah, so I love New Zealand. I thought and the wife loved New Zealand. So... Good move me, to stay and Yeah, and me design opportunity came up and I was a producer at Gameloft. So this seemed like a good fit because I'm leading Bachelor of Software Engineering and Bachelor of Creative Technology, so game programming and game art. Um, and it just feels like, you know, media design school, we had hired a couple of students as well. So we were aware of the quality coming out. And I said, you know, given my industry experience, I think I can definitely bring something to media design school to take the program even further. That's neat. And how is New Zealand's gaming industry going from your perspective? Obviously, you know, Gameloft uh, shutting down has sort of been the biggest, uh, you know, local entity, you know, wasn't probably the ideal thing for uh, for a lot of individuals. But, um, you know, I guess that made some talent available to other companies and so yep. on. So, yeah, I mean, how's the industry doing generally? So, so I think the... The industry, one of the really cool things I really like about the industry is that um, they're very, it's not really competitive. It's very conducive to each other. So uh, NZGDA, the New Zealand Game Game Developers Developers Association, Association, they really helped out. And when Gameloft was shutting down uh, in their meetups, they said, you know, if somebody's hiring, come up. So a lot of people got absorbed through that. Mm. Um, but also because of these meetups, you'd have a lot of stealth startups coming up. So a lot of people are here and there doing something really interesting. Unfortunately, they can't talk about it. Or some of them are, are happily placed. Um, other folks, um, and most of the folks that I know who have left, have left because they just found something more interesting. Not the, because, you know, there was a dearth of something. They just found like, okay... I, I, you know, I've been in New Zealand, been in New Zealand for three years. I'm, I'm young, you know, I'm just 26 or I'm under 30. Um, I want to see some other country and I have an opportunity here, so I'll just go. So it was, it was just because of those things. So I think it's doing pretty well. Because glo- globally, the revenue that's earned from the gaming industry is bigger than the film industry, right? It's bigger than... The I think it's the cinema bigger than cinema okay, industry. Cin- okay, okay. So because no, film and entertainment would encompass even TV. Yeah, TV if you look at it in total. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, games are now hundred billion, um, and the biggest sector that's obviously the biggest region is APAC that's growing clearly. Um, so, so, so we need to stay in this and and keep focused on it as a country. Absolutely, absolutely, and with and with. Um, you know, VR coming into the mix, um, there's definitely possibilities of um, us taking the lead on that. I mean, I've seen so many people here um, who have picked up on and moved into VR space. 
um, and the government has with the ARVR garage supporting it as well. So, and it's it's just about having one interesting product that just picks up the picks up the you know, being the next Silicon Valley for VR. You know, mm. I know it's a lofty goal, but still, you got to aim high. That's good. That's good. Excellent. So, um, so you've got a, a new new intake coming in the new year. How many students have you got in total? And just and in tutors? the games, yeah. In in engineers and artists, uh, we've got around one hundred and fifty students. Yeah. So we're pretty nimble. We're not mm. so you know we're not small. We're not huge. But the cool thing that we are doing, and we're trying to stay at the edges, is I think we're the first school to offer a dedicated VR stream. Um, so we've got a. a graduate diploma in creative technologies with an exclusive stream for VR. So, and we're starting to see people apply for that as well. So I think that's one of the interesting things. The reason we, we wanted... The first school in New Zealand. Yeah. Yep. The, yep. One of the things we wanted to do that pretty quickly as well is because, and students, right, they're, you just provide them with the tools and if you've given them a good foundation, they can pick up anything. So by the end of this year... Even though we are picked up mid or early this year and we got those resources and we just said, you know, we've got resources. Here's a Vive, here's an Oculus Rift. Um, play with it if you want to. And students said, you know what? We are in our third year. We've got to make a game that will, you know, sell us and get us a job. But we're, we have this fun concept. We're going to throw it out and we're going to make a VR game. And we're like, I don't think you should do that, you know? <laughs> we've, we've told you how to make an interesting game, but VR is a whole new narrative around, you know, how to express it. And they're like, no, we're going to take that challenge. And we've got to allow that because that's a learning process as well. And guess what? They pulled it off. Um, I, I, I kid you not, they, they literally pulled it off. Um, they, they've shown their games, two of our student groups showed their games at the inauguration of AR VR Garage. Um, and, and, and again, I'm not kidding. The, the inauguration, I think, ended at around 5, 5.30, but we were there at 6.30 because people were just waiting. It's like, I'll play this game next. I'm waiting in line. So, and we had to say, you know what? I think it's, it's 6.37. We've got to go. These kids got to <laughs> go home. We're, we, you know, you come to MDS, we'll let you play it. Fantastic. That's cool. That is cool. I just ordered my um, Oculus Touch, <gasps> and they announced like 50 games um, that supported it. And that, that's cool, you know, seeing, seeing that level of sort of, um, you know, support, I guess, from Facebook and those resources flowing through Oculus to actually just push this industry. Um, yeah, that's good fun. It is good. That's real good. Absolutely. Now, James, um, we would be remiss not to find out about Good Nest while you're here and, um, and what, you've been, what you've been up to. So yeah. how long have you been going and, and what is it that Good Nest actually helps people with? Okay, so we've been going three years, um, and we are a sort of a, a little tech company. Um, we've got we basically provide uh, cleaners, handymen, sort of plumbers, gardeners, all those home services. There are about sort of nine or ten of those services um, across New Zealand. So we're in about nine cities. And what we try and do is, um, so I had a company um, called Treat Me for a while, and we saw a lot of people buying vouchers for like you know, two hours of a plumber. And when we actually dug into sort of all these deals, we saw the discounts weren't that great. Um, but what we realized was that it was the pain that exists when you don't have the vouchers, which is going to like, you know, the, the yellow pages or going on Google and trying to school yourself up on 
how much a plumber is meant to cost, um, and then choosing one out of all these sort of directories with all these star ratings, we realized that there was just so much pain in something that everyone still has to use constantly. And we're kind of, you know, 2016, we've got drones, we've got VR, and we thought, well, we can do something with technology to make it better. Um, and so our goal is basically to, to make the experience for a consumer cheaper and quicker and more painless um, than using any other sort of form of research or um, word of mouth to, to find um, a worker and also for the workers to make it more profitable. So what we try and do is abstract that business layer um, through technology and so the workers can just log in, pick up work, um, you know, type in their hours, invoicing gets done for them. But for consumers, the cool thing is because we're using technology, they can just pay a much lower rate than you would going you know, to Google and looking for sort of the cheapest guy that you can find. Now, there must be some challenges. What are your most popular areas? Cleaning is sort of number one? Cleaning is our highest cleaners vol- come volume. In. Yep. Yep. Um, and you're focusing on, on in-home, aren't you, rather than getting commercial cleaners and so on into people's businesses? It's, yeah, it's very much focused on... We've been on- quite, quite deliberate at, at sticking, sticking to sort of a few things and doing them really well and, and focusing that technology sort of really deep into the experience. So... Um, you know, if, if you're booking a home clean, um, rather than just saying, uh, you, you know, we'll get a popular clean area to get in touch, we're letting you click, you know, number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, it generates the price. Um, you can sort of scan your credit card and that's your payment details stored forever. And then, you know, you can just click book and it happens. Um, so we're trying to go through that experience. Um, so a, a challenge at the moment is going into all these new services uh, what we find is the quality of workmanship is actually fantastic. So electricians, plumbers, they've gone through their apprenticeships and whatnot. It's working because it's actually really good, but their communication is really bad. Um, maybe they're under the house or whatever, but um, that's the hard thing. So now we're kind of saying, well, consumers, we've got apps out now. Um, they came out last week for Android and iOS. Consumers have it really easy to book, but how can we make that magic happen where we don't bother the tradies that much, but consumer can see straight away that you know this plumber is en route then you can see the van driving sort of down the road and you know that they're 17 minutes away with traffic that sort of stuff is, is what we're trying to crack sort of over the next six months that's good now yeah. it's not quite as on demand as uber is it like you can't be sort of sitting there going looking across at the pile a pile of uh, dishes <laughs> and oh look yeah dishwasher needs unloading this and that needs to be done Oh, if I could just get somebody at the press of a button. We're not quite there yet, are we? No, so so cleaning, uh, we can get sort of next day. Um, I know the guys in the office will, will beat me up by me saying that, but we do that. <laughs> um, it, it's actually sort of the, the electrical and the plumbing services and things that are inherently more urgent, um, we can do that same day, um, sometimes within the hour. Um, the scary thing is how much people rely on technology. Like before we had apps, you can still do this on the site. You can, you've got this kind of free text field, and you're like, you know, what do you need done? And we had this lady who, who kind of typed in. This was, you know, when there were all, all the rain, like sort of a few months ago. This lady was typing, um, my basement, I'm in my basement. It is flooding up to the knees. Please send help. Oh, wow. Well. And I was like, wow, that's trusting technology. <laughs> we, we got someone out there, but we were just laughing at, that, at sort of that situation where if we didn't come through, what that would have looked like. Um, so we can kind of do it pretty quickly now. Um, and we've got about 400 tradies on the system across nine cities. So, um, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. Nine cities, that's great. And now I saw there were some references to Australia, but you're very much focused on New Zealand at this stage. Yeah, so, so we, we tried out, in the early days we were just cleaning. Um, 
And the idea for doing just cleaning was do one thing, do it well, and it's it's a very sort of high trust and um, repeat sort of um, you know use case of, of what we're sort of trying to do. Um, and so we dipped our toes in Sydney, and it it was really just uh, for us. We had a decision to make, which was do we spread ourselves thin and um, build the technology um, to allow Sydney to work because they have toll roads, they have you know twenty dollars an hour parking in the metro areas. You have to kind of build all the stuff separately for that branch of Australia for it to work properly. Or do we actually go into all these other services and have mobile apps and whatnot in New Zealand? And we just thought, you know, kind of stick here, um, do it really, really well. And there's so much competition in Australia anyway that, um, you know, you spread your resources thin and there probably won't be enough to actually win it there. Um, so, and I, I think it's been a good decision. We've been able to really focus on making that a really cool experience for customers and, and the workers who use it. And do you, do you get, for instance, you know, with, with Uber, and I've talked to lots of Uber drivers in different parts of the world, and it does seem to vary a lot to where you are. It's, you know, it's interesting. We kind of think, of it, you know, the world's flat. Everything's the same everywhere, but things seem to be quite different. They're quite different triggers in different locations. Um, mm. But, you know, I remember in uh, at, uh, Atlanta there were um, – there were I found very few uh, male drivers of of Uber and um, and and Lyft vehicles, sort of you know, compared to say New Zealand, where virtually they uh, all are. Um, but there was that sort of aspect of just being able to uh, be a driver when they wanted to. So oh yeah, no, I just do this for you know eight hours a week or something, or I'll do it in the mornings or what have you. Do you have an aspect like that where maybe you get students that will? Um, uh, decide well look you know I, I, I'm mostly studying but look I could probably do this much work so I make myself available for for some hours or are you seeing yeah. it's more people that uh, you know would want to do something like that full-time and and uh, that's what they're just committed to for, for making their income so so it depends a little bit on sort of which service obviously you don't want the the, the, students the electrician to be doing electrical work um, <laughs> but uh, what we kind of see is the majority, I would say 90% of across all these services, 90% would use us as, as a flexible, um, you know, kind of schedule filler. Um, we have actually had amazing success with um, gardeners and students. So we did some ads out on student job search and you kind of think, mm, how's this going to go? But you get these applications from like 19-year-old engineering students who are brought up on a farm, who have, you know, their dad's ute and they're in Christchurch um, and... They're just happy to work. They've got all the tools and all the experience and, and they've got all the energy. And it's just been amazing. So that's been really cool to be able to offer offer them that. Um, but it's typically, it's just flexible time. Um, that's where it sort of really works for people. Or, or small companies that might have two vans and they're thinking about a third and they know that the, the, they've got maybe capacity to give that third van two days a week of, of work, which isn't break even. So they hold fire on hiring someone. But we kind of get it over the line, um, so that's been really cool. Um, yeah, so we, we've we've noticed over time we're starting to get bigger sort of companies. When I say bigger, you know, sort of three, four man sort of van operations as opposed to just the, the sort of the, the Lone Ranger um, sort of outfit. Okay, mm. pretty cool. That's good. Yeah, it's that's good. That's good. Um, you, where people need something recurring, I guess there's a potential for a bit of drop off where people work with them directly, so they yep. find a good electrician and then they might not include you in every transaction i guess there's not much you can you can um yeah you can't completely control those scenarios can no you? no and it, it's quite easy to um you know 
take a really hard line on that um, and become kind of the bad guy. So if if, if I use an electrician, um, I use this guy Luke on Goodnest, and um, I can't remember his details. They, they are in an email from Goodness, but I just go back to Goodness and say, can you give me Luke again? And our systems are um, shortly going to automatically give you someone that you give good feedback. Um, you can run the risk, though, and I think people, especially in New Zealand, are quite cynical of companies trying to um, get in between of sort of relationships and, and make life difficult for both sides, and we don't want to do that. The way that we sort of um, operate is we take a much smaller margin than, say, you know, if you're paying 75 for an electrical, um, you know, electrician, the electrical company might only pay that, that worker 28 an hour. And we, we actually saw that firsthand. We are like, well, that seems like a really big delta, and it's probably necessary because they're not tech companies. They've got, you know, staff manning the phones and accountants and that. So we're just trying to sort of keep keep everyone honest by making sure that we just take sort of a fair amount and not get too sort of greedy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's that that's interesting. And you know, I'm sure. Um, yeah, we'll see more more of this sort of thing go going on. So uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. So your app is out um, out now on uh, Android oh. and iOS. Yeah. Yep came out last week um, we're already seen through it's um, all the jobs that have come through and I get kind of emails and I check them and the number of photos because obviously it's so easy on a phone to take photos of the problem um, the number of photos coming through it's, it's like one in every like four jobs already um, it's, it's really cool because we haven't done any sort of advertising or anything for the apps that's good oh, that's yes. good very cool well thank you uh, thank you both for joining the podcast you're welcome um, James, if people want to track you down, are you on Twitter or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I think I think I'm I'm James McAvoy. I think it is. That sounds I, that sounds right. Sounds like you're not on there too often. <laughs> yeah, oh, a little bit when I have time. Um, yeah. I get a lot of people who kind of want signatures. They think I'm the actor. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I dabble. <laughs> and uh, I'm yeah. I, you've got to type my whole big name. Himanshu Khanna. Yeah, I'm there. So that's just that was I wasn't really thinking through the username time at the time. Well, I think it's good to use your name. Yeah, it's good to use it's your safe. name. Safe. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's what that's what I do anyway. It's, um, but <laughs> yeah, if your name's gone, then um, good you luck. Can put an I'm in there or something <laughs> at the front. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, all, all good. All good techniques. Excellent. Uh, well, great. Well, thank you both for uh, for joining the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening in again this week. Uh, we will be back. Uh, we've got a pretty packed schedule, actually, between now and Christmas. So we will be, uh, we're expecting to run right uh, right up until uh, Christmas. And then we'll have a have a small uh, break for, uh, for probably a couple of weeks. And then we'll be, uh, we'll be back into it. Um, now you can uh, you can sign up for um, my new email list if you're interested at paulspain.com. Um, we'll be starting to um, to share um, not just about the podcast, but but there on uh, tech stories and and business type stories and uh, and so on as well. So if you'd like to get that, that's at paulspain.com. All right, thanks everyone for listening, and see you next week. Bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.